0: Hello, Thunder fans. Christine Butterfield here. You are listening to (laughs) OKC82. I was going to say the first take Thunder postgame show, but we're not not on the radio. radio. We're actually at Vanessa House.
1: Yeah. So it's nice. We've got uh, a young Brady Trantham as our bartender.
0: Weird experience, by the
1: way. Very, very fun. Very enjoyable.
0: What's also enjoyable the Thunder winning. They won 129-116 to 116 against the Brooklyn Nets tonight. And I tweeted this out, Ryan. Ryan Chapman, of course. We haven't introduced you yet. Ryan Chapman speaking. He, I was – this Thunder team is so confusing to me because people have been saying, you know, like this is the season they're going to tank. They're not going to be doing well. And this season, even though everyone has seen their starters become – Stronger, They've become better shooters, more effective. Collectively on defense, they're also pretty strong most of the time. But in the first couple of games when the bench would go in, you would see different results, and that's what would cause them a lot of close games. Now the bench is starting to pull their own weight, and it's kind of interesting to see how their team is becoming more consistent, which I know is something that Mark Dagnalt has said they've been working on. But now we're kind of see it come into fruition.
1: Well, I think it's easy to forget – Lost in the midst of all the Tankathon bonanza and Thunder fans prepping for the fact that the season may not go the way the most seasons have gone, this roster was completely turned over. So it doesn't matter like what your goal is for the season. You could be a title contending team. You could have that much talent on your roster, but if your roster gets completely turned over and there's no real camp, no real preseason, like this is just the ninth game of the season for the Thunder. So I think it makes a lot of sense whether they're winning or losing that the product's gonna look a lot more cohesive, especially with that second unit, because yeah, you talk about Shea Gildas Alexander, Baisley Dort, you know, they've got new guys around them, but but this is kind of the role that, that they were used to playing down the stretch in the bubble, stuff like that. Maybe a little bit easier for those guys to acclimate, but your Isaiah Robies, your Hamidou Diallo, who's no longer just the energy guy. As far as defense goes, like, he's actually expected to be the guy on the second unit. Like, all those people, I think, just, you know, need 10, 15 games to, to come along. And it's coming together a little bit quicker than we thought. And, and the product, Christine, on the floor, a lot better than everyone expected out of this Thunder team.
0: hundred percent. They're actually fun to watch when they're all on, which is something I don't think anyone thought was going to happen this season. You know, a lot of people, I think, were going through the motions thinking, oh, this is going to be just – A really sad season we've they you know as Thunder fans would say like we've lost a lot of people they don't have the star power that they used to Chris Paul's gone now what are they going to do but every single player on this team I think has stepped up besides basically Kendrick Williams and we'll get into that later but I think every player is pretty much stepping up for the Thunder when they're called upon to step up Hamadou Diallo had another great night tonight he scored 25 points And he was 10 of 4 from the floor. And Isaiah Roby. 10 of 14. 10 of 14.
1: (laughs) 1 of 4 from 3, 10 of 14 from the floor.
0: There we go. And Isaiah Roby also pulling his weight on the bench as well. He was 5 of 7 from the floor and scored 13 points. And, of course, you have SGA and Al Horford actually decided to care tonight, which was nice to watch. Which
1: I told you watching this game, like, you know what happened, right? Al Horford realizes this is a game against the Brooklyn Nets, an actual good basketball team. That there's there's a non-zero chance other executives around the league are going to be watching this game. So if I'm Al Horford, I gotta show out right now. This is my best chance to get traded. I gotta show out against the best in, in the in the league. But
0: yeah, I think he's starting to get up there in his age. So he's like, I gotta save up all my energy for the games that are supposed to matter and yeah, games I'm, I'm that people are supposed to watch, so that people will think I am. S- People will think I'm still relevant (laughs) in terms of the NBA. But, you know, he had a really great night. um, SGA, obviously, we said before, 11 of 16. And he was just so hot straight out of the beginning. He scored seven straight points for the Thunder. And then Darius Baisley kind of took a little bit of the role onto himself, scored five points, and then – didn't score again for the rest of the game, but he did play some pretty good defense on KD going into the second half. First half it was kind of iffy there, but you can't really blame him when you're going against someone like Kevin Durant. I mean, who can really guard him in the league anyways?
1: Yeah, I mean, he's, uh, Kevin Durant is probably the best just pure score we've ever seen in basketball. <laughs> no pressure going up against that. Um, so, look, Mar- Mark Dagnall said before the game, like no one can really guard Kevin Durant. What you can do is you can try to take away the easy stuff and just make life hard on him, make him work. And uh, unfortunately, this is kind of the byproduct of what happened. We've had this conversation with Lou Dort, which is that if you are going to be the defensive stopper, that means you're expending so much energy on the defensive end of the floor that it, you're curious, can you yeah. be... You, you know, can't You
0: can't translate on both sides yeah, of the Yeah, like, are you exactly. going to have your
1: legs under you? All that stuff to, to even, you know, be a have any impact on the offensive end of the floor. I really think that Baisley just fell victim to that tonight. He had the job of guarding Kevin Durant. He he you know, he know matched his output in the last game there in the first quarter, like you said. Then he kind of fell off. I think that that's just uh he was obviously frustrated with some of the stuff. He had one or two fouls that I think Darius Baisley himself would tell you were probably dumb fouls on Durant. Send him to the line for easy stuff. when He was doing such a good job otherwise. Um, so, I, like, I, I'm not worried about Baisley, but I, I don't want to get too far into this, Christine, before we, like, do a a real nice deep dive in SGA's game, especially over these last two games, because not only has he put up huge numbers, he's been really efficient. He's not taken 30 shots to get this like I, what was it? his first game of the year that um, like, he was eight for 20 or something like that. Yeah. You're just like a guy adjusting to having the ball in his hand a lot more, taking bad shots. Well, now. Uh, you kind of pointed this out. He does still at times get lost on his way to the lane. But
0: oh, gosh. I mean, there's just a couple plays tonight where he – you could see where he wanted to go, and halfway in getting there, he took his eyes off of where he was heading. What, what I mean by that is, you know, he took his eyes off the rim, took his eyes on the shot, and then just put his head down, watched where he was dribbling, and then realized, oh, there's three defenders against me. Oh, my God, I have to, I have to turn around. And then just decided to start the whole play over again. And, I mean, sometimes that works – but when you're getting into that position more and more, which he is, you need to be able to realize where you're at on the floor at all times. Be very consistent with how you see the floor, how you are able to approach the rim, how you're able to be aggressive, but also knowing where everybody else is out on the floor as well. And that's something that's going to take experience, something that's going to take time, and that's something that we're seeing him improve upon from game to game. But it was very clear tonight that there were just a couple times where he just wasn't, 100% aware of what was going on around him. Sure. But I think you know when you get into like the mid season or even the later season, I think he will have a really great vision of everything all at once because he's going to be used to being in that position. And then you'll see him be able to kick the ball out more. You'll see him be even more aggressive getting to the rim and you'll see him have his playmaking ability just skyrocket.
1: Yeah, and and before I even starting the sentence like I'm not saying you're saying this, but I do think it's unfair to like um, put that expectation on him like right this second right if yeah. you don't know you know just because like we said new guys around him plus a brand new head coach brand new offense like I, I don't think even chris paul would be able to operate nine games into a you know this situation and be able to just visually know where everyone is on the floor all of that stuff because the team's still figuring it out so i i think for right now like yes those are absolutely things he needs to improve on but He's you know? still really young. Yeah, he's still really young, yeah. and, and this team is really young. Mark Dagnall as a coach is really Like, no need to worry or hit the panic button or anything, and obviously not because when he's doing stuff like shooting 11 for 16 for 31 points, getting to the free throw line, 7 of 8 from the free throw line, like, this is the game that people want to see out of SGA over and over and over again. This is two games in a row, this little New York jaunt against the Knicks and the Nets. He's come out, he's been assertive early, he's attacking the rim, he's getting to the rim, and, you know, we've always kind of said he kind of has that herky-jerky, you know, <laughs> disjoint, it's not super smooth. He's just very intelligent as far as knowing the weird contortions he can make with his body and how to create enough sh- space for him to, to get those shots off amongst oh the trees yeah. down low.
0: Oh, yeah. As the Instagram models would say, he knows his angles, <laughs> So he knows exactly where to put his body to make sure he's going to be the most successful. Successful, And that's exactly what you want out of your point guard. You want someone who's very aware of themselves, which he is. Even though, like I said before, sometimes he's not as aware of where everybody at is on the floor. Ryan touched on this. That is going to take time. And no one's expecting him to be perfect at For that sure. right now. Yeah. But what I really loved out of him tonight was his shot selection. I mean, just taking 16 shots... And knowing exactly how to get the shot that you want is a very effective skill, especially in the NBA. And for him to be able to go from taking 20 to taking 16 and getting his numbers up, getting more f- like effective from the floor, and really just attacking the rim, I was very impressed by that ability tonight. And I was impressed by his playmaking ability as well. I thought he was really making sure that all the players around him were contributing. I thought he kept really close eyes on Al Horford, who was hot tonight. I thought he tried to get Darius Basley in there, you know, as much as he could. But, you know, sometimes you just get too tired from guarding one of the best players in the league. And you can't fault Basley for that, especially when really the only player in the Thunder that is used to having to be effective from both sides of the floor is Lou Dort. Yeah. That's the only guy I think on the Thunder that has that pressure of, yeah, I mean, defensively you're strong, but got to make some shots offensively as well. So I thought that SGA was the guy that everyone and the Thunder want him to be. And I think he's been showing for the past couple of games that he's been improving from game to game and his ceiling is just starting to get higher and higher.
1: Yeah. And before we close the book on SGA, move on to other stuff throughout this game. Like you were talking about the shot selection. I just pulled up his shot chart. Um, He had eight shot attempts from inside the restricted area. Christine, he was seven of eight on those attempts. Like that's what you're, you want that at all times. You will take that every single night. Um, four more shots outside of the restricted area came inside the paint like that's that that's what he learned from chris paul right there christine that is the the mid-range jumper is only inefficient if you're bad at it and so if you're getting to the rim if you're shooting threes like you are spacing the floor like like you're gonna have defenders on skates because they know you're either gonna take that or you're trying to get to the rack it's okay to pull up pop that mid-range jumper there from the from the free throw line, and, and SGA is doing that. So he, he's doing a really good job of finding his spot. And it's just um, like I expected him to take a step forward. I didn't expect him to look like this he in took, like, game nine. He
0: took like three steps forward yeah. super quick. And again, I don't think anyone was really expecting that. I know I wasn't. I'm sure Jerry Ramsey also was not. So for <laughs> Jerry him t- Ramsey
1: never expecting Shea Gildas Alexander to do anything good.
0: Never expect him to do anything good. And even when he does find something to criticize him for, so have to applaud him for at least staying consistent in his hatred for SGA.
1: Hey, you got to find your thing. Got to have your gimmick.
0: Got to have your gimmick. The Thunder are getting rid of one gimmick of theirs, actually. Uh, they used to be really bad in fast break points. They used to be, what, 28th in the league, I believe? Right. And now they're moving on up. They had 21 fast break points tonight, and they had 12 steals and 15 points straight off of turnovers. Right. And when you're having a young team, I think that's something that is an easy fix because that's young guys, people that can push the pace, people that can run the floor and just be able to get ahead of some of those older players that might not want to run as much Kevin Durant and really try to get to the rim as easy as possible and to be able to get those points in when there's not anyone you have to worry about blocking those shots and so for them to be able to be aggressive defensively get those steals and then be able to convert those into points is a huge
1: plus in the thunders books well and uh, you know to be fair to kevin durant he did have a really nice coast-to-coast sequence there uh, yeah, I'm not, yeah but but for the most part you're right and this is I, you know i've said this before but i i just keep going back to this because sam presti you know has overseen oversaw whatever english is hard uh, Sam Presti has been the architect of one Thunder rebuild already, the initial version of it um, th- that saw Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, James Harden, all those names that we're not allowed to say anymore because Oklahoma City fans run for the hills. But uh, the, one of the cornerstones, one of the hallmarks of that really young Thunder team while they we're still trying to figure it out is they played incredibly fast. And they were active defensively, pushing the pace. And like you said, they were fun to watch in transition. You kind of wondered if this team was ever going to embrace that because you'd think with guys like Hamadou Diallo, Shea Gildas Alexander, Baisley, Dort, like they would be at home with all the havoc that Dort, you know, just wreaks on that defensive end of the floor. You'd think they'd want to. And they finally got out and did that tonight, which, like, this is not still not a great team offensively in the half court. So why not? remove yourself from that situation as much as possible and get those easier fast break points.
0: Yeah, Ryan, you touched on the on the offensive half court situation, and I kind of want to talk about this because I feel like the Thunder do one thing well offensively. I mean, besides their great ball movement, which I don't need to go on about because I have before on this podcast, and I do believe that w- their ball movement is very superior. But they're either strong from behind the arc Or they can get points in the paint. I don't believe they can do both effectively at the same time. How much of a problem do you foresee this being for them?
1: I mean, I don't think it's a huge problem for this roster. Just because, like, kind of like we went into in both New Orleans games, things like that. This roster is just not built to dominate down low like on the on the glass or anything right. like that like uh, they get a ton of points in the paint off of their guards driving to to the paint or you know um, i think it was sga you know found roby just hanging out of the dunker spot and, you know just playing smart basketball so like yeah because even roby who was a really great story these past couple of games He's an undersized big. Al Horford's not really a traditional center. He was kind of on the forefront of that stretch five, you know, type of And then you have Darius Basley. Yeah, Basley, Mascala. Small. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So – Okay, let me rephrase this then. So let's say they're having an off night from behind the arc. And because they have undersized guys down low, they can't really be as effective from the paint either. How big of a problem is that?
1: Like, it, it's going to be a problem. But what what this team's going to have to do is – they're they're trying to make that transition to modern basketball, which is if you are having trouble shooting from three, you have to keep shooting because what that does is when you've got a guy like Mike Muscal, you've got Darius Basley out there, even if they're not hitting, you make the defense continue to guard everyone around the perimeter so that you can have SGA attack the paint and and still have enough space to do that because otherwise it's going to turn into what, the Russell Westbrook defense becomes which is everyone put one foot in the paint and just wait for you know brace for Russell to to try and and hit the rack so like it's gonna be a problem there's gonna be nights where like the shots just don't fall I also think there's gonna be two or three games that the Thunder are gonna blow somebody out because for some reason or another they're not they're not an efficient three-point shooting team particularly but one night they'll just hit 45 percent of their threes and just shoot somebody out of the bill you know what I mean like but yeah, I can definitely see that That's kind of the give or take. I think this season it's more about the process and, like, this is the kind of basketball that Dagnall wants to play. So whether you have the personnel for it or not, like, you're just going to have to keep shooting and you're just going to have to be like, all right, Shay, you will need to learn – how to find space for yourself on those nights when teams aren't really respecting the Thunder from yeah. behind the arc.
0: Yeah. I mean, th- my thing is I know that this is going to be a very devel- developmental season. I understand that this is going to be all the about season of discovery and progression and replenishing and whatever. all that fun Reloading, stuff. Reloading, yes. That doesn't mean that you can't attack all these games like you're going to win those. And I mean at this point, that's exactly what they're doing. But so if if I'm reframing my mind on how I'm looking at the Thunder season based on the fact that I'm – not believing that they're obviously going to go out and lose every game at this point. Then strategically, I'm thinking, okay, well, what if they do get in the situation where they're not shooting well from behind the arc? The only people that can really make mid-range dump shots are going to be SGA, possibly Hamdu Diallo if he's hot, and then maybe Teo Maladon. Then you're in a situation where you think, who are they going to go to? Because they don't have a Kevin Durant. They don't have another big down there to really... Compete with those guys So if they're If they're having An off night shooting Then you really have to Think about how they're Going to be able to Attack the rim
1: Well I I think that Al Horford kind of Showed a little bit Tonight that he could Maybe be that guy Um, Say what you want When he wants Yeah when he wants Say what you want About Jared Allen Or DeAndre Jordan Like they're by no means The elite of the elite But that they pose You know enough of a Threat or whatever That you know uh, Horford went in and, And he got his business Done he got a lot of it Done in the paint tonight So like, I think that's an option for them. It, it's not ideal. Look, the other thing is that uh, George Hill, he's a savvy veteran, crafty. Like Those are the nights that I think that George Hill will become more important as well because instead of just being a guy that is continuing to move the offense, continuing to make the right pass and you know move off ball to, to get guys in the right position, like he'll probably on those nights have to take it on himself a little bit more to be like, all right, I need to show these youngsters – how to go out there and and still get your own shot when stuff isn't going well from behind the arc. So it's not a huge concern just because I think the Thunder are doing exactly what you need to do. It's something they've never, ever done before in the history of their franchise, which is establish this is an offensive philosophy that we can go to no matter what. It's not going to be the philosophy that only the second unit plays when Russell Westbrook's not out there. It's not going to be this or that. Like this is who they are as a team. This is what they believe in as an offense. These are their principles And teams that have an identity, they can overcome those struggles, you know, on a night-to-night basis. Now, if there's a a fatal flaw in roster construction, it does them in over the season. But on a night-to-night basis, even if they're struggling in one area, if you have a philosophy, if you know what you're doing, you can work around that. And so that's, like, the most optimistic thing for me is that the Thunder are finally, again, it's only been nine games, but it looks like they're starting to build a philosophy.
0: Yeah, what's interesting to me every season is looking at how teams' identities differ from previous seasons, how they differ with different coaches, with different players, because it's all very variable in this league. And what's been fun to watch about the Thunder is I feel like their identity is more of a foundation instead of something they cling on to. Right. And what I mean by that is, you know, when someone has an identity that's their foundation, that's something they can always go back to. They know they have it in their back pocket. They know exactly what they're doing in those situations when they're secure in their identity, they can build on that and just kind of round out all those other areas in the game that they might be lacking a little bit. And I think that's what we're starting to see from the Thunder at this point, from what a lot of people expected them from the beginning of the season, just to be a developmental team, to see how they grow, to see how they improve. And that's what we're seeing, but in a much faster pace than anyone expected. So being able to see their foundation of we're gonna have solid ball movement, we're gonna take smart shots, and we're gonna have be locked in on defense.
1: We're gonna take smart shots. We're gonna not shoot the ball ten times, Lexi Pokushevsky.
0: Oh, Poku! He was
1: good again. He was, uh, you know, he took smarter shots and looked like he knew what the hell he was doing with the basketball at times. At times. At time he didn't. He, hey, he didn't chunk one off the backboard. He didn't chunk one into the stands.
0: I mean, at this point, that's all you can really hope for from from this guy. Well, frankly, I mean, yeah. I mean, no. I'm not, I'm not saying that in a mean way. I'm just saying that's really all you can hope for is him to like make maybe one, two shots a game and be like, "Good job, Poku."
1: And he doesn't look lost defensively, or as lost. He doesn't for the look most part. lost
0: defensively, but oh my gosh, can we talk? I I kind of made fun of him for this during the game to you and Brady, but yes. there was a moment where he was just calling for the ball, and this poor man. He he just looked so timid like asking for a pass. <laughs> Sir. He was kind of like, "Hey, hi. Um, I still exist over here. Um, I know I'm super tall, so you probably see me, but I just wanted to remind you that like I'm open. So if you if you want and if you cared, um, you could pass, but maybe not. It's cool. I'm over, but yeah, great.
1: Conspiracy Theory Corner we know that he has a concussion. Did someone, like, lash out at him at practice and was like, you have to stop shooting the ball and, like, accidentally, like, make contact with his head and that's where he got the concussion and now he's just gun-shy? He's just like, guys, I'm sorry.
0: Okay, conspiracy theory. Who do you believe it was then?
1: I'm trying to... Yeah, I mean, like, going up and down this roster, like... There's not a ton of people that I feel would like. Would you say that it's Darius? Ba-
0: I feel like media would say Darius Baisley just because of how sassy he's been. Well, Except I mean, allegedly, allegedly,
1: sassy. yeah. We wanna. we did see Darius tonight. Um, one of those moments I was talking about where Kevin Durant was, you know, driving to the basket and Darius kind of just pulled his arm and. And it was that, like, fatal flaw of, like, if you're going to foul him, make sure you get the ball so that it's not an and opportunity, stuff like that. It ended up just being, like, an easy layup for Durant, and he just chucked it at the bucket. Maybe Baisley out of frustration, just, like, chucked it, and, like, Poku happened to be in the way. Which, by the way, that would have to be quite the errant pass to, like, hit Poku in the head. He's yeah. only, like, 30 see, feet tall. So
0: that's why I'm going with Darius Bazley, because you have to go with a tall guy here. You know, gotcha. I couldn't see it being isaiah roby really i mean he's kind of tall but like i don't see i think isaiah roby like i've talked about this i don't think i've said this on the podcast or on air yet but i look at um poku and isaiah roby as like the two little brothers of the thunder franchise gotcha but isaiah roby's like the up-and-coming cool little brother where like you know the older brother's friends are like oh no it's cool he can hang with us even though like isaiah doesn't really get to talk he's kind of cool to be around the scene If Poku walks up to his older brother's friends, they're like, "Bro, (laughs) this guy, you you brought him." And Poku's just kind of like, "Mm, like, "I just want to be." He's like, "He's like, I just, I just want to be cool like you." And they're like, "We hate you. (laughs) (laughs) Go away. Like, please, you're ruining our street That's how I feel about Isaiah Roby and Poku.
1: Yeah. Roby's going to be a lot more uh, – a lot more people are going to see him as the cool kid if he keeps doing what he's done on this little New York trip, Christine.
0: Yeah. Um, I just want to say – I don't know if we've had this discussion. I remember you and I had a conversation beginning of the season. I watched Isaiah Roby's first game, and we were discussing who was going to stay, who the Thunder were going to let go, and you thought it should be Isaiah Roby. And I was – and I remember saying – and I remember saying like I, th- I think he's I think he's all right like am I am I wrong?
1: Well, uh, Roby didn't get a ton of run in preseason, and so he's kind of been that guy. I, I think he spent last season with the Oklahoma City Blue, so yeah. I, I just assumed that he wasn't getting run. And if you're not getting run in the preseason, and you've been that last guy,
0: no, which is fair. Yeah, no, it, was, it was a fair point. I just, uh, I little confused. did we know that he
1: wasn't getting run because Dagnos, like we're keeping this guy in our back pocket.
0: Right. No, because I I saw like a couple of like glimpses where I thought that he could be pretty good for the team so i was just thinking I was like i don't think this is a bad move by the thunder to kind of keep him around and now we're seeing him actually kind of start to i don't want to say explode but starting to sparkle a little bit off the bench he he's been looking pretty solid for the past couple of games and Really proving why he can be a contender with this bench.
1: He's just like a guy that knows what the hell he's doing. When he's on the like he doesn't. He's not too flashy. Things <laughs> like that. Action analysis. Yeah. Well, but like he just he, he knows what he's doing. He hovers around in that dunker spot there along the baseline. He's just he, he's crisp on his rotations defensively. If you challenge him straight up head to head, like he's not the best one on one defender. If you give him the ball and tell him to dribble it more than one time, like good things probably aren't going to happen. But he just he doesn't put himself in those situations. He, no. He just always knows what he's doing as soon as he gets the basketball, like everything he does has intention. I and that, and I feel like that can get you a long way, especially on a team like this where there's a very set offensive philosophy.
0: He's one of those guys where he might not have the best shooting percentage now. He might not be the strongest guy on the floor, but his basketball IQ is very strong. It's very high up there.
1: Pride of Nebraska.
0: Pride of Nebraska, one of the only ones. He's a very intuitive basketball player, and that's what I like about him. I like that he sees the floor well and he's very observant and he knows where to be all the time, I feel like. And that's not something that always shows up in stats books, and that's why I'm saying it because I feel like he's usually in the right place at the right time and he knows where to be on the floor. And that's the kind of guy that you want on the team, and so that when his shot develops, when he's able to, you know, become more confident in playmaking ability become a better dribbler and just a bigger offensive threat he will have a higher ceiling so I think he's going to be a really strong role player for the Thunder or for another team in a couple of years once he's had a little bit of time of development
1: well and if this all continues this is something too that Thunder fans can look forward to because I feel like you know everyone has always talked about the search for for a while it was that three-point shooter Um, you know Kevin Martin didn't work out Jeremy Lamb wasn't anything Um, Morrow came in everyone was super excited and he basically went into the background I feel like because the Thunder if if obviously this can be replicated again it's only nine games in. we know we know but if it can be replicated like it's easier to identify a role player and plug them into a team when you've got some sort of ball movement, when you've got some sort of idea of how you want to run your offense, if it's, if you're not just out there free balling or playing a bunch, a bunch of ISO basketball, like you're not going to get away from that always. But I I, I think that we're able to see, this is why Muscala, you know, able to play a much bigger role. You've got Roby who's looking nice. You've got, um, you know, Kendrick Williams, who I don't think much of him as far as his future NBA prospects, but he's like able to come in and, play on this team
0: somewhat. What? Oh, I have so many thoughts about this man. I
1: am And not then you've
0: got the emergence of Hamadou
1: Diallo as... I
0: could talk about Diallo. I will not talk about Kendrick Williams because okay. he does nothing productive ever. I think that he's a... He does not shoot well. I think he looks confused half the time he's on the floor, and I just think that he's a placeholder because the Thunder can't afford or get anyone better. Anyway, moving on to Diallo. Okay,
1: I'll set you up here. So, little New York road trip. The Queens kid comes home. He had a really big game against the Knicks. Then he comes out tonight, 25 points, 10 of 14 shooting. That's only four missed shots for those of you counting at home. Four of four. Not 10 of four. 10 of
0: 14.
1: Yes, 10 of 14, not 10 of four. Very, very good. Um, four for four from the free throw line. He is the second leading scorer from your Thunder. You know, we talked about, obviously, this is who the Thunder want to be their sixth man. There's been the early experiments of putting the ball in his hand as, oh, my gosh. So we, so we are <laughs> oh doing this God. podcast as the Cleveland Browns and Pittsburgh Steelers are are playing a football game. Brady's very excited in the background. One I'm of the first astounded. plays of the game, uh, the Steelers snapped it over the head of Ben Roethlisberger in the end zone, and now Roethlisberger has thrown his second interception. It looks like the Browns going to go up 28-0. Anyway, back to Hamdu Diallo, six-man. Is this just a little burst of the season, or is this, like, have you seen enough from this that you can say there are aspects that, uh, of the game that Diallo is putting on tape that can be replicated night in, night out for this Thunder team?
0: I mean, I definitely think there's parts of the game that can be replicated. I'm not anywhere near ready to say he's the quote-unquote sixth man of the Thunder, though. He's not... From what we've seen in the past, he's never been consistent enough for you to believe in a certain output you're going to get from Hamadou Diallo on any given night. And I think that we can't forget about Mike Muscala in this conversation, because I think for the most part, he's been a solid shooter for the Thunder. He's He's been, I think, more consistent in shooting than Hamadou Diallo, although... Hami's best nights are better than Mike Muscala's best nights. Right. So, I mean, there's a give and take there. I'm not ready to say that Diallo's that guy, but when he is on and he is in it, he's definitely the Thunders guy for sure.
1: Yeah, I just – it's encouraging because at times this season, very, very early on in the season, um, you know, Hami gets the ball and you're like, brother – too much dribbling. What is happening? Yeah, and <laughs> why it's, do you look confu- more and confused than I am? It's <laughs> yeah. it, is, it is not even what we're talking about with Shea and Alexander earlier, where Shea like starts out no know- knowing what he's gonna do, and then he kind of like loses his way along the way. Like Hami gets the ball, and I like I'm not convinced that he ever had a plan ever.
0: He like dribbles around aimlessly and just is hoping to get an idea somewhere along the way of what to do.
1: Yeah, but instead uh, tonight, Hami, he had great just like intention. Every single time he got the ball, um, he got to the paint with ease. We saw that against the Knicks, and we kind of were like, "Okay, pretty shitty defense at times by the Knicks tonight against this Brooklyn team." Look, this is not a good defensive team I- at all. But
0: so okay, they all pop
1: off. Like, but, but he sure. did it again. Like he, right. he has shown that like against teams that aren't you know super you know uh, put together, they're not all thinking as one on the defensive end of the floor. Like he can identify. When there's a, you know, a lane for him to dribble into, he yeah. gets there. We all know that he has that athleticism. He has um, just that extra burst in the open floor. And it's something that he's been able to control the last couple of games. So that's, that, for me, is the best thing. Tonight from the three-point line, um, one of four, which you know it's not great. But if he can just hit one or two a game just enough, that the defenders, same thing we talked about earlier, like they can't immediately just start sagging to the lane when Hami gets the ball. Like that's the big thing I think for him. He's going to have to continue to somewhat consistently. If he could just be a 30% three-point shooter, like I think he'd be in a good spot.
0: Yeah. I mean, he definitely has to keep his uh, shots very versatile. From behind the arc, maybe a couple mid-range jumpers, an elbow shot here and there, and then obviously driving to the lane where that's a sweet spot. So he should always be trying to attack the rim for sure. I really believe that he's getting better at recognizing when he should take his shots and recognizing when he needs to drive to the lane because that's a key difference for Hami that I feel like maybe in the beginning of the season he wasn't as strong as and he thought that he could get hot from the three, couldn't do it, so he would be very inefficient. But the past two games we've seen him be able to really recognize when he should be going to the lane, when he should stay back, and when he should try to juke out some of these defenders. And also – was really good at running the floor tonight and was able to get it on the back end of all those uh, transitional shots and transitional layups. So that's exactly where you want him to be. And if he keeps that up and is uh, consistent with that part of his game, I do believe he would be the sixth man for the Thunder. Although, like we said before, he's very hot and very cold. And two consistent games in a row for Diallo for me aren't enough of an argument for me to believe that he's gonna be that guy right now.
1: Yeah, for sure. And just looking at Hamby's career numbers, three-point shooting specifically, his rookie year, 16.7%, three-point shooter. Then he took a jump, he, he knocked that up to 28% last year. And this season so far, he's hovered about a 28 and a half. So like, I feel like we're not asking like an uh, an otherworldly task out of him, you know what I mean? Like, he right. just up that three or four more percent, which I, I don't know if it can happen over the course of this season, but um, in the next two or three years, like he could be – like this is decision time on Hamadou Diallo. This is a huge year for him to see if he's going to be a part of this team going forward. The way he's played the last couple of games, he's definitely going to be a member of the Thunder rolling forward.
0: Yeah, and and I think you'd want him to be at this point. If he's going to play the way he's playing, you would want him to stay with the Thunder. Absolutely. And so the Thunder are going to end their road trip winning four of five.
1: I know they did Christine not expect
0: that to happen Christine, <laughs> on the road.
1: They're five and four. Are they? Are they? Are they going to go under five hundred again this season? Are they, <sighs> Are they thir- If they're going to surprise and shock and awe, this could be the turning point.
0: Oh wow, Sam Presti is really just breaking things in his house right now. <laughs> do we think? Do we think Sam Presti has like anger issues, or do we think that he's just no, always calm all the just, time? No, he's
1: just he's just sitting there and he's just like, I cannot build a team that's not a playoff contender. It's I. He's I like, how How
0: do, how do I – how Th- maybe else can I make this happen? No, so
1: I think that it. we've said jokingly, like, Sam Presti cannot make – like, he cannot select as many players as the draft picks they have. Maybe that's why that he was so aggressive in acquiring 300 picks because he's like, I am such a good GM. I can't build a team that's going to suck, so I'm just going to have to have 300 picks so that we can uh, move up into the top 10 enough times <laughs> to, oh, yeah. to pick. So. Oh, yeah,
0: definitely. I mean – I definitely see that for Sam Presti. Not going to lie to you. Yeah. So, but my point in this is they're ending their road trip with four wins. (laughs) So now they're going to be back at home for a little bit. They have San Antonio, the Lakers, the Bulls, Philadelphia coming up all at home. What do you what do you see happening? I mean, you can pick a game that you think might be a good one for the Thunder, one that they can steal, because these are all pretty strong games besides maybe Chicago, but they've already lost to Chicago twice.
1: So here's the thing. I don't think sure. anyone's going to play in that Lakers game. Like, truly. Because of... The in, like, the NBA rule, like, this is not any insider info, anything like that. I like, Ooh. Yeah, the NBA rules as far as, like, in primetime games, like, you can't sit anyone for load management, all that stuff. The Thunder don't have any national televised games. Like, if there was ever a game for Anthony Davis and LeBron to just say, cool, we're going to sit this one out. That's our scheduled load management game. Like, why wouldn't it be... a Thunder team that's supposed to be awful, all that stuff. So, like, I, I'm not sure you're going to get a full-strength Lakers. Do I think the Thunder are still going to win that game? No. So, uh, like, I th- I just think that that game might be a little more intriguing than you had initially thought because the Thunder are showing a lot of fight, and, and I'm not sure you're going to get a full-strength, um, you know, Lakers team. But I think the San Antonio game and the Chicago games are the two ones that you got to circle. Like, of this homestand, if you can split it, go two and two, very, very respectable considering that, the lakers and and the 76ers are supposed to be two of the better teams. Ugh, I tried to out- Whoa! I tried to outrun the yawn, Christine. Yikes. I couldn't do it. I I tried, Yikes. I tried.
0: It is literally not even 8 p.m.
1: Well, I I've been sitting behind this bar top for a very long time.
0: Wow, your life must be so hard, Ryan. It
1: really is. It, it really is. Well, anyway, what I was saying is four game homestand, like if you split that 2 and 2, I think everyone going into it would be incredibly happy, no matter how the splits come, just because no one expects you to to beat Los Angeles. No one expects you to beat Philadelphia with how this Thunder team is right now. So, like, two and two, I think that's very realistic because I think that the way this Thunder team's playing, why wouldn't you pick them over the Spurs or the Bulls?
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree with the Bulls. I don't know about the Spurs, though. The Spurs are awful. They're terrible. Yeah. That's a bad I mean, basketball team. It's not team. the best Spurs team. I, like
1: I know it's Greg Popovich, and like it's I just can't it's vote taboo. Pop, like you know what I mean. And it's nothing against Pop. It's just a bad team. Yeah,
0: but you, it's interesting you brought up the Lakers because that's going to be the return of Dennis Schroeder,
1: su- former
0: we? alleged sixth man of the year. Uh, my, uh, oh I Lord. just want
1: first off all the Thunder fans who made fun of Paul George for saying he was an MVP and then ever called Dennis Schroeder Sixth Man of the Year, you are idiots. You are idiots, and look in the mirror. You're doing the same thing. You basically made fun of yourself. Way to go.
0: You, you clowned yourself. Congratulations. Yeah, you, you
1: played yourself. <laughs>
0: you played yourself. But, yeah, Dennis Schroeder will be back. So something for a lot of Thunder fans to be excited for because I think that was one of the biggest losses for the Thunder this, seiz- this past season was losing Dennis Schroeder. So
1: you think Schroeder gets a
0: standing O? Fake well, he's oh. g-
1: he's gonna get a fake standing out. Oh, you think he gets a tribute video for his time in Oklahoma City?
0: I can't say I do. I, th- I think
1: the French has gone soft. I think they're doing <laughs> a lot. They're doing a lot of tribute videos ever since yeah. Kevin Durant left. Like everyone gets a tribute video. Uh, I, think, I, think, I think. I think it's Stephen the softening. Steven Adams makes sense. Steven Adams yeah. makes sense.
0: He was with the team for a very long time. Uh, Dennis Schroeder, though, I'm not. I'm not in on that one.
1: I mean. Everyone loves Dennis. Uh, you I'm think not saying
0: I don't love Dennis. I love Dennis. We know Brady Trantham also loves Dennis Schroeder.
1: I think Brady loves doing the Dennis Schroeder impression more than he loves it. Oh, you're absolutely right. So.
0: Yeah. But that's going to do it for us tonight. The Thunder won 121 to 108. So, Thunder fans, please have fun partying it up in your apartments alone. Yeah,
1: party it up. Get out the champagne. You beat Kevin Durant. Congratulations. You
0: beat the cupcake of the league. Congrats. Good job. Good game. Good game. We will see you guys next Tuesday when they play the San Antonio Spurs. And, of course, keep up to date with myself, Christine Butterfield, Ryan Chapman, Brady Trantham, and Jerry Ramsey for nah. all of your Thunder coverage. Eh.
1: Nah. Nah. Just actually, just at CB on Sports, follow her. At Brady Does Sports, follow him. At Radio's Ryan. Those are the only three people you need to follow. Jerry has enough followers already. Wow. We don't need to plug him.
0: Wow, you heard it here first. Just us three.